Dr. Kristen Oja here, entrepreneur and functional medicine expert. Welcome to Little By Podcast, where our goal is to empower you to achieve optimal health, one step and one episode at a time. Taking a functional medicine approach will cover a variety of health and wellness topics, from how to optimize performance to how to balance your hormones and everything in between. This podcast is for educational purposes only, so please be sure to consult your healthcare provider before incorporating any changes into your daily routine. Now grab your headphones and let's go for a walk as we take steps towards becoming your best self. I'm really excited for this episode on body positivity with Abby Griffith. She is a body positive fitness center owner out of Decatur, Georgia. The gym is called Clarity, which you guys need to check out. She's an NASM certified personal trainer, nutrition coach, and eating disorder recovery who has devoted her life to helping people of all ages, shapes, and sizes find a wellness routine they truly enjoy. Abby sees the dangers that come from obsession and fitness and nourishment and believes that it's time for us to see our bodies in a positive and empowered way, regardless of the number on the scale. This episode is really eye-opening for me, especially kind of approaching health and wellness from functional medicine lenses. We talk about trigger words and how to be more body positive in the way we communicate with one another. We talk about how she designed her gym at Clarity to take body positivity first and foremost. We talk about her own journey with an eating disorder and the importance of therapy and non-diet nutritionist. Uh, So this is an episode that I really encourage you to tune in and share with anybody that you know has struggled with eating disorders orders or restrictive eating patterns, or really just wants to become more aware of how to talk to one another in a non-judgmental, non-criticism way. She talks about being curious and not critical, and uh, I hope you enjoy this one. Abby, welcome to the Little By Podcast. Thank you so much. I've been looking forward to this for weeks. (laughs) I'm so excited to have you on the show. And you guys, I went and checked out Clarity and met Abby probably now several months ago. And it is such a cool space. It's the first body positive gym. I know at least in Atlanta, is there Mm -hmm. other body positive gyms nationwide or are you kind of pioneering this new space? We're definitely one of few, but I know of a few out in California, and I believe we're the only one in all of Georgia. There are other people that are body positive trainers, but the whole studio isn't based off of that. So we're leading the way a little bit. (laughs) It's just, it's so awesome. And we're going to get into in this episode, kind of the small things you've done within Clarity that makes a huge difference in body positivity. But I wanted to first hear a little bit about you, your background, and kind of what got you to open clarity in the first place. So tell us all about you. Definitely. Thank you. (laughs) So I am a 25-year-old female entrepreneur. So I came from Cleveland, Ohio to Atlanta. I just had a total crush on Atlanta. I knew I needed to end up here and stopped at University of Miami for my degree in between there. Um, I was really hard on myself body-wise for a big, big, big chunk of my life. So I was in a bigger body when I was a little kid and remember being bullied for that as young as first grade. I had um, I love my parents and they're incredibly supportive and amazingly interested in this body positive approach to life and wellness now. But at the time of me growing up, They both had tons of body image struggles and disordered eating behaviors that they didn't know were disordered because it's not talked about very much. And that all kind of compiled onto me throughout high school, especially, and then into college. Um, Unfortunately, I, I came to a point where I was really struggling with bulimia and anorexia in my sophomore year. And fortunately, I had amazing friends that basically told on me and got me the help that I needed. And I'm so grateful for them in taking that step to have my best interest at their forefront of their minds. Um, And I went to therapy and just got exposed to this completely radically different approach to wellness that I had never heard of before. I had no idea really what body positivity meant. I had no idea that all of these things and pressures that I was putting on myself 
really weren't what health looked like. And it was just such a radical and important and positive shift in my life that I'm so happy I found. That's amazing. And I want you to share a little bit, like what is body positivity? Like what, what did you learn when you first started working with these therapists? Definitely. So I was seeing a, an eating disorder specialized therapist and a non-diet based nutritionist in the beginning and still am just different ones now, now that I'm in Georgia, but, um, they exposed me to body positivity as this concept that everyone in every body deserves to have a positive body image, regardless of their shape and their size and appearance. And that was such a different idea from what social media taught me, what movies taught me, what the magazines at the checkout counter of grocery stores about losing X pounds in X days taught me. And that was just such a such an important shift for me because I really was never given myself or given by others permission to appreciate myself as I was and as I am. And that is, that's really the, the initial intro. And then it just dove into, I mean, that's the tip of the iceberg of body positivity. It really is a social justice movement and it's so connected to the LGBTQIA plus community. It's so connected to civil rights. It's so connected to just so much that's way beyond oh, have a good body image. It's really a deep interconnected platform and community that's really working to help everyone feel better about their skin that they're in. And what, like, tell us a little bit about what you did in Clarity that shows body positivity is like first and foremost, like when you walk in the door of Clarity. Oh, that's my favorite. So you walk in and you are faced with this massive floor to ceiling. I want to say it's 14 feet tall wall of smashed scales. So what that stands for for us is, first of all, supporting smashing a scale. And second of all, just really separating that metric, that number on the scale with your worth, most importantly, with your health, with what you feel you are capable of in terms of fitness, in terms of life. There's just, there's such an unfair pressure that we assign to that number on the scale that I did for years as well. And stepping away from weighing myself, I truly have no idea what I weigh today. I haven't been on a scale in probably three years now. I get on the scale backwards at doctor's offices. I don't want to know the number. I just know that that's a big trigger for me that will completely either perk up or ruin my day and just giving it no chance to do either of those because it doesn't deserve that that chance has been a massive shift for me. And we don't have any scales in the facility. We don't do BMI. We don't do measurements when people come in. Uh, We're just trying to help people focus on what feels good for them and what they enjoy. And getting away from the scale is a big part of that. And I think that's so huge because we, you know, I was telling you earlier that we do body compositions at Stat Wellness. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's it's very heartbreaking to me that are a lot of patients and people in general base their success based on the number on the scale. And mm-hmm. it's such a distractor for how's their energy? How's their mental clarity? Are they feeling stronger in the gym? Are they recovering mm-hmm. faster? Are they sleeping better? You know, all these other variables that are such better indicators of your overall health and wellness can mm-hmm. really be completely bypassed or not even noticed if the number on the mm-hmm. scale stays the same. And so- right. We've had some people, and I know I love that you guys don't do scales or measurements at all, but we've had some people that are very discouraged with their weight staying the same. But when they actually Mm -hmm. do a body composition scan, they gained five or 10 pounds of muscle Mm -hmm. and lost body fat. But in their mind, even though their clothes are fitting looser, even though they're stronger, even though they're feeling better, they've had zero improvement. And I just think it's so huge. I love the smashing the scales because your worth is not the number on the scale. And Mm -hmm. there's so many other variables for health and wellness and success. So I've seen clarity and I've seen these scales and I think it's like the coolest thing ever. And (laughs) as you were giving me a tour of the space, I was also, there's so many other little things you did in the space that are just huge when we think of body positivity. So share Mm -hmm. some of those other things that you guys did when you designed the space. Definitely. So our our goal is whether people are coming in who have struggled with an eating disorder, disordered eating, or a tough relationship with exercise, or not, we want 
everyone who walks through the doors to just have a positive experience with their bodies in our four walls. And so we are very, very intentional about where we place mirrors, about how we light mirrors. There are some body positive studios that don't have any mirrors at all, which I totally understand and support. And our angle of that was that we see the benefit of having a mirror to check form. And we also see the benefit of having a mirror in place if people want that as that safety resource for working out, but it's never the central part of the space. There's mirrors in small sections. It's They're about two feet wide on the gym floor. They're tinted because we want it to be, again, a positive experience. They're lit from the front so that we can make that as positive as possible for people. And then we have um, a wall of mirrors in our group exercise space, but the stage that the instructor stands on is off on the side. So again, a mirror is there as a resource if people want it and if people don't feel triggered by that, but it's not something that we're inherently staring at no matter what. That was a big shift. We're adding um, new verbiage to those mirrors in the group exercise space too about non-scale victories. So things like I bought clothes that feel good on my body no matter what size they are and things like I stepped away from the scale or I feel good in the skin I'm in or I looked at a mirror and didn't have a negative reaction to what I saw, which doesn't mean I lost the weight I wanted to, but I'm working on my relationship with myself and seeing the amazingness that is instead of always chasing this carrot on a stick, so to speak. So we're really, really excited about that. And then we also did private personal training rooms that have no mirrors. They're a full enclosed box. They're not windows or anything for people to be looking at other people. And that's just a place where if people either want space off the main floor or they want just some privacy, or if they're having a really tough time with their relationship with exercise and want want that space, that private space to get familiar and get comfortable in wellness and fitness again, that's there for them to use too. And those have been our our big, big focuses on just dignity and creating a space that feels good for everyone. Gosh, I think it's just so, it's so positive, body positivity, <laughs> but it is. Yeah. It's, it's such a better way of looking at health and wellness. And I think you're just being so proactive and uh, really kind of innovative in the gym space, which is awesome. And you have both females and males, right? It's not just a female gym. Right. It's all genders. So feel female, male, non-binary, just whatever you identify as. We actually have signage coming in for our bathroom space that we accept all genders and people are free to choose whatever gendered space of the the bathrooms feels most comfortable and aligned with them. And we won't tolerate harassment on that. So that's um, we're really, really working to be advocates and allies in lots of different spaces of equality. I love that. And I wanted to talk a little bit more because you mentioned the therapy was huge for you and seeing a non-diet nutritionist, which Mm -hmm. I think is also awesome. What did this kind of journey of overcoming, like, can we get into that a little bit more? Like what does a (laughs) non-diet nutritionist do? Are they focusing on fueling your body rather than like good and bad foods? Tell us about that. Definitely. That has, that's been the one of the biggest game changers, if not the biggest game changer for me, it was just a giant practice of releasing rules and judgment around food. And that is something that we still stand by here at Clarity Fitness. We have really amazing connections to non-diet-based nutritionists in the greater Atlanta area, as well as around the country, and just really working to help connect people so that their whole entire wellness experience is connected on this same wavelength. If we're doing one thing at Clarity, and they're meeting with someone who says that these are the foods that you can't eat, and these are the foods that you can never touch no matter what, with no medical reasoning behind it, that's going to be a big clash. So um, the process for me specifically was giving myself permission to eat more. It was giving myself permission to eat anything. It wasn't, um, I was very, very on the far end of tracking and rigidity and control and counting everything. And that it's, I, I don't think that it's healthy 
for most and would argue it may never be something that um, you can really fully dive into without it becoming compulsive and even obsessive, which was my route, unfortunately. Um, And it was just there's so many food rules that I didn't even realize I had things like not being able to eat after a certain time or not being able to eat more than X amount of carbs or fat or whatever throughout the day. And uh, these are good foods and these are bad foods in air quotes. And you can't have too many of the quote unquote bad foods because then you're a bad person and then you messed up. And just the amount of judgment that each of those food rules placed on me could absolutely ruin my entire day. It was food was all I thought about. I was if I was eating, I was thinking about when I was, quote unquote, allowed to have my next meal. It was just so all consuming. And working with the non-diet based nutritionist really helped me understand the science behind what wasn't true, which are most of those things that I listed, and really helped me understand uh, the confidence to give myself permission to eat what I wanted and practice intuitive eating, practice listening to what my body was or wasn't wanting, and doing my best to get as close to that as possible, and being okay with making mistakes while I figured that out instead of it becoming a new rule for me that now I have to eat perfectly intuitively all the time. And I feel like so much of wellness gets so rigid and guilt ridden. And our goal is to really shift back to what feels good for you and what you actually enjoy. Cause health is supposed to be this fun, positive thing, not, Oh, I have to do this today, no matter what, no matter how I'm feeling. And that was a big, big shift in the nutrition space for sure. Well, I think that's, you know, when you label foods as good and bad, often you start thinking about the bad food all the time. Like it creates this, like, you have to have the bad food because it's a no, no, no. You're thinking about Mm -hmm. those foods so often. And Mm -hmm. it's such a, you know, we've talked about this before. It's such a tough space that I feel like I'm sometimes in with functional medicine because it is a slippery slope. It's a really Mm -hmm. slippery slope. Somebody comes in and they have a ton of inflammation and they don't feel good and their Mm -hmm. knees hurt and their ankles hurt and their hands hurt and they've got rheumatoid arthritis and, you know, they want some more natural approaches to manage it. And we find out, you know, they have a significant sensitivity to gluten. And Mm -hmm. so you want them to cut it out to reduce inflammation so that their rheumatoid arthritis doesn't get worse. Like for some people, depending on their history, that can be a big trigger. And then all of a sudden it becomes super restrictive on, on good foods, bad foods. And now it's that they're not only avoiding gluten, they're avoiding gluten and dairy and eggs and soy and dyes and sugar. And, you know, it can, it can be this really slippery slope. And so that's why I love having this conversation with you because it also helps me from a functional medicine side, really understanding like how to screen patients better and know, you know, who has a history that maybe they're not sharing with us or what could be a trigger word for them or, you know, what is a good place to start and what's not. Because I think there is sometimes a time and a place for some of these things, as you mentioned before, like medically advised, there's, there's certain things, but it is a slippery slope. And, mm-hmm. um, I just, I love this dialogue and the whole area of body positivity and thinking of how to nourish our body. And one thing I work on with our patients a lot is like, let's focus on making sure you're getting enough of the good. Like let's Mm -hmm. focus, like, are you eating enough protein? Not that you need to be rigidly counting and things like that, but are you having well-balanced plates? And I know we talked about this and I want to hear your thoughts, um, before, cause I, I, I get a very different perspective and I love hearing your perspective. And I think I'm just, I'm so open-minded about this whole area and I learned so much from you, but we were talking earlier that balance can actually be a trigger word for some. And Mm -hmm. so tell me a little bit about that. I'd love to kind of hear your insight and see some words that maybe you've learned through your therapy and your journey that maybe are more positive words to use in place of that. Definitely. I appreciate that so much. And it's just so amazing to hear how open-minded you are to it, because I just think that that's such a testament to how amazing you are in your own field and how, how open it can be, how open these conversations can be. It's not, I'm not deeming any other approach as evil and terrible. It's just a conversation of, Hey, find what feeds your soul, find what feels good, find what aligns with how you want to feel. And I hope that people listening can take it that way too. It's not a a right, wrong, good, bad situation in how we approach things either. It's just, does this feel better 
aligned with what works for you? And if so, dive in. And so I just appreciate that. Appreciate you so, so, so much. And really excited to have this conversation too. Uh, I would also say for, for the word balance, I think that that's such an interesting conversation because that was something that shifted for me the more I learned about it. Because I think early eating disorder recovery was, okay, I can intuitively eat as long as it's balanced. And it was still, balance wasn't truly balanced. Balance was still a rule in my rule book. Balance was, okay, I'm allowed to have this cookie if I eat a salad. And balance was, okay, I'm allowed to eat a hamburger as long as I don't have another one tomorrow or as long as I work out quote unquote enough afterwards. And that's still a rule. That's still eating and then focusing on burning it off. That's still eating within a set realm of what I'm allowed to do and still eating in a way that's quote unquote good. And if I do too much, then it becomes quote unquote bad. And that's what balance still does for me is it's still not truly balanced in my brain. I think true balance is um, a therapist broke down this for me, the words for the most part. So I, in practicing intuitive eating, what I find really interesting, how you had talked about good and bad food with the bad, quote unquote, bad food, when we deem it that, like you said, it's just so all-consuming. That's all you think about. And if you want a quote-unquote bad food, like for example, I wanted pizza the other day and I heard my eating disorder voice be like, no, you can't have the pizza because you need more nutrient-dense foods in your meal today. And I was like, you know what? I really, I'm listening to my body. I want a pizza. I'm going to have my pizza. And I ordered pizza and I had pizza and was satisfied and put the rest away. And I didn't think about pizza anymore. It was, but if I had bought into eating disorder voice and said, okay, I'm very aware of the fact that I want a pizza, but I'm not going to let myself have it because pizza is bad. I would have, again, air quotes, but I would have just thought about the pizza for so much more time and just put so much effort into not having this pizza when if I just have a freaking pizza, it goes away and <laughs> I stop thinking about it. And it still is balanced because I am listening to myself. I'm figuring out what my body is asking for. I am listening to the cues. And then again, this is not a one size fits all approach because there are people that have different relationships with food. There are people who truly struggle with binge eating disorder and their bodies are truly saying that they want to eat X amount of foods, X amount of times, and that has impacts on wellness long-term. But for the most part, we can look at what our body is telling us. We can get resources to help us learn how our body is communicating with us. And we can find what feels good in that experience with those sets of circumstances and honor that and listen and eat those things. And we learn, okay, in intuitive eating, I am going to have however much pizza I want. And I'm going to overdo it in the beginning because pizza has been this bad thing for so long. And suddenly when I have unlimited permission and unlimited amounts of pizza that I'm allowed to eat, it's like a kid in a candy store. If you suddenly say you can eat all the candy you want, you're going to go crazy. But then you start to see, hey, that doesn't feel good. And I'm really having a stomach ache or things are really backed up now. And okay, maybe next time, I'll be a little more mindful and maybe next time I'll try eating a little bit slower. And maybe next time I thought that I wanted all of this, but maybe I really don't. It's that curiosity over criticism instead of, oh, I ate pizza and now I'm bad. It's just looking at what you need, what you want, what feels good for today. That goes for fitness, that goes for eating, that goes for self-care, that goes for rest days, that goes for meditation, that goes for everything on that health spectrum. And it's so interesting to start to learn how to tune into your own body and just become a teammate with it instead of constantly trying to overrule it. Yeah, that's great. And I feel like too, personality plays such a role. And I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this because 
I, looking back, you know, college, towards the end of college, I would have diagnosed myself with orthorexia, which I'm sure you're familiar mm-hmm. with, which is, you know, for the listeners that have never heard of orthorexia, it's basically like an obsession with being healthy. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, you're not having bulimia, you're not having binge eating, you're not starving yourself with anorexia, but everything that you put in your mouth is super healthy. You exercise consistently and regularly because it's super healthy. And that can be just as bad for our mental health because, Mm -hmm. you know, if I'd go on vacation, I'd be like mapping out where can I run? Um, If I was somewhere and I had a brownie, it was like, okay, well, it's fine if I have a brownie, I'm going for a long run tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a lot of that orthorexia and this obsession with eating healthy, I always say like, is it something you want to do or is it something you need to do? Mm-hmm. And if exercise comes to this thing where you like have to do it and you need to be eating clean for your mental health, like that's not a good place either. And mm-hmm. I do wonder, you know, kind of both of us being young female business owners, I'm assuming that goes with a certain stigma that we do things well. Um, mm-hmm. And so for me, it was like, if I'm healthy, I'm going to do it well. If I'm, you know, opening a business, I'm going to do it well. Like I do everything 110%. And so mm-hmm. I do think when I talk with my patients, there's such a personality component to this, where there are some people that, you know, it's so much easier for them to just have one piece of pizza and not want to eat anymore. It's so health. It's so easy for them to like, yeah, listen to how they feel. They have a more kind of relaxed personality around all of it. And so they don't tend to go to extremes. And then there's people more like me where I kind of live my life in black and white and it's a constant thing I'm always working on. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you think personality plays a role in that? Have you uncovered any of that with therapy? Absolutely. The the all or nothing black or white thinking is absolutely the camp that I would deem myself a part of too. And that is, that does get, I, again, not diagnosing anyone, but that is what a lot of people with eating disorders identify as and can be, can be seen in that group. Um, I definitely think that that plays a part in how we approach fitness, how we approach food. And it totally, I did a, a, um, webinar for NASM, which is a sports medicine and uh, personal training certification platform. And they are, it was just such an awesome talk. I loved the comments that I got. I love the conversation that came from it. It was just so eye-opening to a lot of the trainers for me to call out the fact that your ideal, quote-unquote, ideal clients, the ones that you say do this and they say, how long, how fast? And you tell them to work out once on their own throughout the week and they work out three times. Those are the clients to be mindful of. And I think that without that eye for, hey, this person is doing everything I say perfectly, in air quotes, (laughs) that that could be a potential risk factor for their mental health instead of deeming it they're the most successful or they're the best or they're the most disciplined, but Hey, let's be mindful of how they're balancing again, that word, but the true version of balance, how they are really taking care of themselves in on their day to day. And that, that was what I fell into in my fitness journey. I was the, the ideal personal training client and all my personal trainers loved me because I would do exactly what they said. And to the T and beyond. And I just remember some of the questions that I asked just being so compulsive and everything from, should I track the calories in my gum to how many workouts am I allowed to do in a day? And just, I wouldn't say above and beyond because that deems it a good thing, but just really more than was more than was empowered and more than, again, it was a had to, it was a compulsive, it was a have to be as X, Y, Z as physically possible. And I think that it's important if you identify as that, or if you are taking care of treating, training people that fit that criteria to just check in and ask what they want to do that day. How do they feel that day? See if the things that we've recommended have helped their quality of life or added lots of stress and fear and guilt to their quality of life. And those are just easy conversations to have that I don't think most people know to check in on. And that's a really, even watching what you praise, they lose 10 pounds or whatever. And instead of making that as big of a deal as winning the lottery, it is 
something that we're like, how do you feel about that? How is your quality of life? Are you stressed? Are you happier? Does food freak you out? Are you feeling really rigid and controlled and calculating and planning everything? Um, just, Just so important to keep those conversations going, to be mindful of how people are really doing on the inside. I think that you've learned a lot through this journey and what you're doing is changing people's lives. Like it's just, it's so, it's, it's so fun to talk with you from your perspective and the way you run your gym and the way you communicate with your members and what the whole experience is like and how you celebrate, you know, these like micro victories that are outside of the number on the scale. Um, Mm -hmm. and I'm curious, like, what have you found in your own personal life that has worked to kind of help you live in the gray a little bit more? Is there any exercises that you've been doing or any um, any tips or tricks that you've learned that have helped you not live in this black and white? And then I can share some of the things that I've done to just see if, you know, maybe there's some similar things. Yeah, I love that question. I definitely think that workouts and Food not according to the health, quote unquote, health status quo have helped a ton. Uh, I've tried dancing. I've tried golf. I've just done different things that college me would never have deemed, quote unquote, good enough or hardcore enough or worky outy enough, (laughs) whatever that is enough. And that's been that's been really, really freeing to me because Even yoga used to be something I learned that recovery was important. And I was like, okay, now I have to do yoga X, Y, Z times a week to recover appropriately instead of yoga sounds good today. I'm going to do this and I'm going to give myself permission to hang out in child's pose for a bit longer than I otherwise would or flag my instructor and say, hey, before class, I'm feeling at about a 50% today. I just want to move through the motions. And if you see me not grinding it out as hardcore as you may see other people, I'm, I'm claiming that for myself and don't want to today. And people in the fitness space, for the most part, are totally going to understand that and support that. And if they don't, that's a testament to their knowledge as a fitness instructor and as a fitness professional, because they need to let you listen to your body. And if they don't, they are too caught up in what we call diet culture or just an obsession with everything has to be a hundred percent that black and white thinking. Um, I think that it's just so important to be able to claim what you need out of today and, eat the foods that you have placed as off limits because you can, and you're allowed to, and you're not a bad person if you do. And you're not a bad person if you don't, you're not a bad person if you're not there yet in your recovery journey where you can give yourself unconditional permission to have a bagel if that's what you want. And I think that just releasing the judgment, again, curiosity over criticism, being being interested in what's going on instead of always on edge and judgmental around what I'm allowed and not allowed to do has been my biggest game changer. Yeah. And I think for me, one of the things I just, I, I was, I still am, I, I go like a million miles an hour. And part of that's just, you know, running a business and having a seven month old at home and mm-hmm. all of those different things. But I found for me, one of the things that made the biggest difference was just even taking a few moments every morning and every night to do some slow, deep breathing and to really Mm -hmm. check in on how am I feeling. And Mm -hmm. I feel like I went a really long time never paying attention to how I felt. Like I Mm -hmm. would get up and I would kind of check off all the two things on my list and I didn't know. And so now through this, I can be like, you know, I'm actually starting to feel a little bit tired this week. I'm going to prioritize going to bed a little bit earlier. Like I can tell my Mm -hmm. body needs extra sleep and I do. I'll go to bed earlier for, you know, I should always, but I'll go to bed for a week, (laughs) you know, really consistently earlier and Mm -hmm. you feel better and you pay attention. Mm -hmm. And, um, I do, I really think for me and, uh, my husband really was a, a big part of my journey too, of finding the gray because I'm like over here in the black and white and he's like the (laughs) most relaxed person in the whole entire world. So we were like on two ends of the spectrum and I just feel like you are who you surround yourself with. 
Mm-hmm. And so I think this is true, like not even for people in a marriage, but people with, you know, their friends or their family or whatever the their community looks like. I don't remember the exact mm-hmm. saying, but it's like your combination of the five people you spend the most time with. Um, right. But he like really kind of pulled me in more to that gray and like realizing mm-hmm. how much quality of life was in going out and having Mexican and how fun and it was to have queso mm-hmm. and guacamole and chips. And, you know, we aren't doing it seven days a week. But when we mm-hmm. do, we enjoy that quality of time and there's nothing wrong with that. That's not a bad right. food. Like that was such a fun experience for us on date nights. And so I think it's also interesting to think about who you're surrounding yourself with. And that's a great thing with clarity. It's like, you know, when you go there, you're surrounding yourself with people that believe in body positivity and, um, you know, the language is in a very positive way. And that was something else I wanted to hear from you because we've also talked about some of these like trigger words and some Mm -hmm. of them are kind of obvious trigger words to me, but some of them, I was like, man, I use that word all the time and did not realize Mm -hmm. that could be a trigger word. And again, and I learned so much from talking with you. So share some of the like trigger words that you guys don't use at Clarity or really in your day-to-day when you communicate with people. Definitely. So there's, again, black and white thinking. I don't want the words that I shared to make people feel like they are a bad person for having used them, like they have done anything wrong or awful or ruined their lives or other people's lives. So if if these words are part of your regular vocabulary, you don't suck. <laughs> you are totally fine. And it's just something to be mindful of because maybe when you use those words or maybe when you experience these things, it doesn't speak to the quality of life that you want to live or that you want to impose on other people. So again, it's curiosity, not criticism of yourself, of others, of people that say it. We have a a rule in the gym that it's a, a no diet talk, no beating yourself up talk space. So we make sure that we're not comparing our macro counts for the week. We make sure that in classes, we're not talking about the calorie burn that you've achieved in your class. We make sure that we're paying attention to how you're feeling, paying attention to having fun with your movement. And those are just general rules with, um, but again, they're met with compassion and education, not judgment and shame. It's just, hey, this is this is what we're trying to do here. Here's why. And we want to be mindful of other people that this might negatively affect. And we really appreciate you doing your best and totally get this stuff slips out. And if it does, that's totally fine. But just wanted to keep you in the loop. And people meet that with an understanding and kindness. And it's been a great community to to help support in that way. Um, some other words that come to mind, even the word obesity is now such a loaded term. It's no longer in the body positive sphere. It's no longer a medical term. It is a judgment of people's shape and size. And um, obviously obesity, the word is most tied to the obesity epidemic. And I think uh, Lindo Bacon has, she, well, they are a monumental figure and an amazing person in just the body positive space and have written amazing books such as Body Respect that really dives into this. Health at Every Size is a book and platform and community resource now where people can Google that and find all different types of providers that align with Health at Every Size's standards and policies and understandings of wellness. And they break obesity down to really focus that there is such a stigma, there is such a judgment, there's such a stress that is assigned to being in a bigger body. The word obesity is just such a focus on the number on the scale. It is creating people to only care about shrinking their bodies and get so caught up in the quote unquote perfect diet and exercise program or surgical technique or whatever is going on to really focus on losing this weight. And when that is the sole focus of health and the sole focus of wellness, it beyond spikes eating disorders, binge eating disorder, anorexia, orthorexia, bulimia, everything in between. And it's not no longer about health and well-being. It is about running away from this awful fear of being a number that's bigger than X. 
And I think that that is such an important conversation to have and to be mindful of is are we looking at running away from weight and weight gain and being a certain weight or are we looking at running toward well-being and health and wellness? And I think that it's so easy to get lost in a weight-focused approach. But when we do that, we miss so many other things that are so important to our quality of life beyond fitness and fueling your body. It's financial wellness and emotional wellness and your relationships and spirituality and just everything else that goes into making you a full, happy and empowered person. So that the word obesity is a big one that we steer clear of. It could be bigger body, living in a bigger body. The word fat is not a bad word. It's the same brunette or blonde. It's just a characteristic. It's not as a appearance-based term. It has no judgment assigned to it. And if it does, we can look at that and explore that and understand why we've assigned so much judgment to it. Um, obviously, calorie counting and macro counting can be something that we want to keep to ourselves if we're doing it. Hopefully, one day we can step away from feeling like we always have to do that and maybe not track our food, which is finally where I'm at, which I freaking love. <laughs> but we definitely don't want to be counting out loud to our friends or family or posting it on social media because people that see it can really react negatively to that. Um, weight loss challenges, attendance challenges, step challenges, things in the workplace or at gyms that are meant to encourage wellness tend to really trigger people in the eating disorder sphere that are focused on you have to win and you have to be perfect and you have to achieve X amount of steps or attendance that can really take away from tuning in and focus more on those numbers. And then control is the last one that really comes to mind. Um, people think about being in control of their bodies, in control of their food, in control of fitness, and beyond being all philosophical and woo-woo, that control is an illusion. Anyway, <laughs> when we get into that space, that can be a slippery slope too, because again, it's that that tightness, that rigidity, that pressure to perform and to be and to execute instead of what does my body want and how can I do that for myself, for my body? So those are those are some big ones that come to mind there. That's just the tip of the iceberg, but <laughs> those are some some main ones that we can work on using less or exploring what we mean by that for ourselves. Yes. And how maybe the words don't mean the same thing to you as it does to somebody else. And being mm -hmm. mindful of that, I think, is a, is a huge reminder for all of us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, kind of with your own journey, you've come such a long way, which is amazing. And it's really become your life work with clarity. Do you feel like it's something like eating disorders, is it something that people are constantly kind of working on and therapy is like always a tool that people will keep in in, in their back pocket ongoing? Because uh, in my experience, I feel like with a lot of my patients, it it is easily triggered, even when they're in like what you would say, and I don't want to use the word remission, but it's like, okay, I'm, I'm now, like you mentioned, I'm not macro counting anymore. I'm eating what feels right. You're, you're implementing those things. Trigger words could present themselves to you at any point. And so do you think it's important, like has therapy been something that you're going to keep in your toolbox lifelong or how does that look? Definitely. It's, it's obviously different for everyone, but, um, depending on, I think as an educational space, it's important to know that eating disorders don't just go away, but I, there's a, there's an eating disorder kind of conversation that's going around, um, of is recovery, are you ever fully recovered from an eating disorder? And it feels really unfun to feel like, no, you can never recover and this will always be a part of your life. And I don't necessarily think that that's true. I think that I am in a light years ahead and in a different place than where I was five years ago. But I also think that I, I will always be mindful of and have walls up to certain things that I just know aren't for me. And so I don't, but I don't think that that makes me not recovered. I think that that makes me having learned what health looks like on my terms. And I think that 
while I totally will be going to therapy forever, I feel <laughs> in a good way, just because I love it as a resource. Um, I, I do think that I'm in a, a different space, but again, I'm, I'm not going to join Weight Watchers. I'm not going to get a scale at home. I'm not going to join a fitness challenge. I'm not going to participate in a weight loss challenge because I know what will happen to my mental health if I do that. And I know that there are other things that are more important and feel better to me. And I think that that's, that's important for everyone who has been through recovery or is in recovery to find what it looks like for them. And it's, it doesn't have to sound like what mine sounds like, but it's, it is important that you are in the driver's seat of your wellness and have explored what works for you. Yes. And I think going back, you know, surrounding yourself with people that have similar beliefs and missions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's great. And I think that everybody, I think therapist is, I think it's so important for everybody to have a therapist in their life because mm-hmm. it's just a non-biased person that you can be fully transparent with no matter what it is. If you're dealing with anxieties or depression mm-hmm. or relational issues or, you know, whatever it is. Um, I think that it's just, it's become even more prevalent to me how important it is to have therapists, especially with this pandemic, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're just coming out of it and things are opening back up and people are getting vaccinated, which is super exciting. But, yeah. um, yeah, it's, there's, there's so many things in our world, um, that therapists are here to help with. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just interested to know, like as a female run business owner, you know, I know when you run a business, there's a lot on your plate, a lot of, um, demands, like what does a daily routine look like for you? Or what does like this healthy lifestyle look like as a female run business owner? Definitely. I love this question too. And that's, this has actually been a a black or white thinking process for me as well, because I, I feel like I carried some disordered eating all or nothing behaviors from my eating disorder. I've let go of those coping mechanisms and have moved it over to fitness or to, um, business and, I am, okay, tell me, tell me what I need to do to make this business successful and I'll do it to a T and I'll be the best at it and it'll be awesome and I'll achieve and fix and whatever. And I do that in my personal life too. Now, not so much in food and fitness, but in terms of self-care, oh, I'm, I'm stressed out and I didn't fix it and I should have done meditation and sat down and done my breath work and I didn't and now I suck. (laughs) I think that it's it's just so interesting because I can hear it play out in different spaces now and I'm able to check in and be like, that's not what this is there for. So I had actually written out a morning routine and a nighttime routine and I was like, these are the five things I'm going to do and it has to be in this order and it has to be for this long and if I don't do, if I get dressed before I brush my teeth and I should have done it the other way. And I'm just like, goodness gracious, Abby. <laughs> it's just how you do one thing is how you do everything. So I I have an intention. And again, for the most part, it does not happen every day. I don't, sometimes it doesn't happen more times than it doesn't happen. That was a lot of negatives, but it just depends on what I need out of that morning. I like to have slow mornings to take care of myself. And like you said, a little bit of a slower start than wake up and go a million miles an hour. But, um, I do try to meditate if I, if it feels right, there are days where I don't, or I know that I have a less stressful day. So I feel like I don't really, I think that you can always meditate, but I don't think that you have to always meditate. So some days I don't. And um, this morning I woke up, I meditated, I got dressed, I had, I fed my fuzzy fur creatures, (laughs) made myself breakfast and got out the door and dropped off Lola, my dog at doggy daycare and came to work. And that's, that's for the most part, what my mornings look like when I'm coming into the office. And when I'm not, I get up, do a slow morning start. Sometimes I'll do like five big breaths. Sometimes I'll meditate for 10 minutes. Sometimes it's five. Sometimes it's not at all. Sometimes I just check in on how I'm feeling Sometimes I don't do any of those and just figuring out for me what feels good and what I can do, what at least I can lean on as a resource if I'm feeling stressed or if I'm feeling maxed out and need to slow down and know that that has helped a lot to explore the meditation and the breathing and something sustainable, not something that I 
have to achieve every day, but something that really feels good for me long-term. And meditation was something for me where I was like, okay, if I have to sit down for 40 minutes, dim the lights, have this like perfect (laughs) environment, you know, and then my mind was thinking about a million other things. And I was like, man, I'm so bad at meditating and I need this and all this stuff. And I realized for me, like, meditation is just being present. And so Mm -hmm. sometimes it's when I'm in the car and I just like drive Mm -hmm. in silence. Sometimes it's Mm -hmm. when I'm going for a walk with my daughter in the stroller and I'm not Mm -hmm. listening to a podcast or doing anything. And I'm just being present and and Mm -hmm. being aware on how I'm feeling and all those things. So I think, you know, even that, like, as you mentioned, it can look different from day to day and depending Mm -hmm. on what's going on and and everything doesn't have to fit in a box of what we think it should look like. Right. And I'm curious, is there any, I always like to ask um, this question about whatever topic it is on the podcast, but are there any myths that you want to debunk around body positivity? Definitely. I love, I love these conversations. I think that a lot of times people see body positivity as anti-weight loss. And I think that that's a really interesting conversation to have. I don't think that body positivity is anti-weight loss. I think it is neutral to weight loss. If you're, if you are taking care of your body and listening to your body and having fun with movements and having fun with fueling your body and feel like weight loss may happen, fine. If it doesn't happen, fine. It's not, yay, we lost weight. It's not, yay, we gained weight. It's just weight will fluctuate based on how you are taking care of your body. And that just being an okay thing. It's not good or bad. It's just, it just is. And so I think that it, it comes off as anti-weight loss. Cause if someone said, Hey, Abby, I lost X pounds. I would be like, how are you feeling? Instead of, wow, that's so amazing. And that that's so different to what we're used to that it seems anti, but it's just neutrality and not putting that on the highest of high pedestals. And I think that a really interesting one that I've obviously grappled with a lot is that fitness and body positivity can't work hand in hand, that that's that's a myth because fitness and movement is just inherently something that is a positive thing for bodies. There are a million and one studies that show that. But again, it is just that we know that that is true. It doesn't mean that you have to be a bodybuilder for fitness to count, or you have to always be increasing your weight and your reps and your sets and follow the books perfectly calculated. It just means that movement is awesome. And when you move your body, there are good things that happen. And if not, that's okay too. When you're taking time off, when you're in recovery and you need to not work out, when there are travel things that change your routine and a workout just truly doesn't make sense or you feel like to get past this obsession you need to take some time away from the gym or work out outside or work out with a friend and make it less about achieving a time or a calorie goal hopefully we're not focused on that at all (laughs) but just looking at at ways to explore movement on your terms on what feels good. And I think that that's what body positive fitness looks like is you being able to tell your trainer, this hurts and I don't want to do this today and them listening and you being able to pay attention to and vocalize that you're tired and you just want to move through the motions or that you are needing an off day or needing a rest day or just want to walk around with them outside and them honoring that and understanding that they are able. And I would argue, I don't use the word should much, but really have an opportunity there to let you explore what fitness can be when you need it to be something other than a hardcore lift or a hardcore class. So I think that those are, those are the two most common myths that I hear. And I think that that's a super important conversation to have because again, it's not, it's not body positivity versus health. It's not body positivity versus fitness or versus weight loss. It is just finding ways to appreciate and take care of your body and appreciate others' bodies as they are assigning less judgment to yourself and to the external. And that's been, that's been really what body positivity is about. And that, can show up in so many different ways. 
And I feel like it's kind of like if you if you are being intuitive and you're moving your body in what feels good and paying attention, it's almost like, and I, I know we don't like to use the word weight loss, but it's like that's the side effect. Like it's like if you're doing what feels right to your body, you may be amazed at some of the results that you see without even focusing on the number on the scale. And I think uh, I love your response back when someone tells you that they've had weight loss and you say, well, how do you feel? Because it puts it back in. Like, how is your energy better? Is your sleep better? Is your quality of life better? Because moving, moving in general is, it's it's basically like the best antidepressant, anti-anxiety therapy with no side effects. So, mm-hmm. and that can be walking. It can be um, swimming. It can be dancing. It can be anything. And so- I think that it's, I like the question that you have back and I like that it's the focus is on the, the, what makes your body feel good. And Mm -hmm. some of these things will be the side effect of that, but it's not the goal of that. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that, I think those are both really great myths, um, that are not true at all. I completely agree. And then what are some small things? Cause I know body positivity, it's really about loving your body more. Mm-hmm. And so kind of summarizing everything we've talked about, what are some small things our listeners can start doing today to really truly love their body more, no matter what size they're at, no matter what kind of level of fitness or whatever they're kind of measuring their success based on, what are some things that they can start doing to love their body where it currently is at uh, today? Definitely. I mean, therapy is such a game changer. I cannot I cannot give a big enough shout out to the therapists that have truly shifted my relationship with food and fitness. I think that if anything that we talked about today resonates with you as a listener, I think that it is worth seeking out an eating disorder informed and or body positive and or health at every size informed therapist, because whether again, whether you've struggled or not, there will be things that they can help you process and release if it doesn't work for you and you don't need it's it's that that awful phrase quote unquote sick enough you don't need to have had my background to deserve feeling a release around this weight loss focus if that is something that you feel consumed by it doesn't matter if you identify as having bulimia or binge eating disorder or anorexia or any of that if it stresses you out or creates a negative impact on your day to day you deserve to seek out support for that so i definitely recommend uh nida n e d a has a really awesome resource of eating disorder informed therapists and health practitioners that are great resources all around the world for people. There is IADEP, which is another really awesome resource and a community of people that are informed in eating disorders. And HAES, H-A-E-S, Health at Every Size, is another awesome platform that has a ton of lists of resources in different specialties. So getting surrounded by those people diversifying social media is a big one. If all you ever see is someone who looks like Kim Kardashian or Kylie Jenner, you probably aren't going to truly give yourself permission to explore body diversity and see your own body as enough and see others' bodies as enough. Diversifying social media looks like following body positive advocates, looks like following people in all different shapes and sizes and appearances and backgrounds. And that's been a massive game changer for me and myself and seeing the beauty in everyone. I think that that's a massive step and ultimately just doing what feels good for you, what feels like you listening to you, not a should, not a shouldn't, not a subconsciously hoping for weight loss, not a subconsciously focused on the number on the scale, even though that's not the main goal, just truly figuring out what resonates for you. And even if weight loss doesn't happen, it's not the end of the world because improved health on all levels will happen and improved overall well-being will happen. And that's that's what true wellness looks like. So I hope that those are fun tools. So good. This was such a great episode. And if people want to learn more about you, where can they find you? 
Definitely. So clarityfitness.com is the website for our body positive fitness studio out of Decatur, Georgia. We also have Clarity Online, which you can find at online.clarityfitness.com. That is our virtual platform. It's half on-demand fitness, like pre-recorded videos that are all different intensities and durations. And we are fully body positive in all of what we do there. So there's no calorie counting. There's no calorie burn talk. That's just all based on what you want and how we want you to feel and how you want to feel. And then the other half of that online platform is these awesome community groups where we bring in eating disorder and body positive informed therapists and physical therapists and nutritionists to talk about different aspects. There's a mom's group, there's a runner's group, there's an intuitive eating group. I lead a body positive group, tons of really awesome resources on there. And your first 30 days are free on that as well. Amazing. Everybody be sure to check it out. Um, I've gone and seen the space. And as I said, it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. And I love everything it stands for. So thank you so much, Abby, for being on the little by podcast today. Thank you. This was amazing. I'm so excited to chat and can't wait to see what we do next. Thank you for tuning in. And as always, remember, little by little, a little becomes a lot. Even the smallest changes over time can lead to total mind and body transformation. I'd love for you to stay connected with at Dr. Kristen Oja and at Stat Wellness on Instagram. And if you have any questions, be sure to reach out. I'd love to hear from you.